I know this series is called Depopulate Hell, but you know what I'm always trying to do every Sunday? I'm just trying to get you ready for heaven. If you're waiting for what comes next, you're missing the greatest portion of right now. Service is never about an agenda. It's never about a schedule. It's about coming into God's presence and drawing close to the Lord. Amen. I know you won't be able to see the screen, so you're going to have to stand your feet real quick. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. I felt the Lord leading me to start here, so this is what I want to do. Start with Luke 13. If you have your Bibles, if you want to look on the screen, Luke 13. Luke 13. To everyone who's kind of sitting in this section over here to my to my left, you're right. You might have to find a, a different seat. Sorry, just so you can see me today. Okay, that stuff's staying there on purpose. But I'm just letting you know. Luke 13. I'm going to read this to you, and and I want you to know that this is one of the harder teachings of Jesus. It's hard to swallow. It's, it's hard to really to embrace and most American churches kind of veer away from this kind of teaching I'm always amazed Rev when they call themselves full gospel and yet they (laughs) keep out parts of the gospel here's what Jesus said in Luke 13 he was going through the towns and the villages teaching as he went pressing towards his goal aren't you thankful that our Savior always had the end game in mind Can I speak over this generation real quick? Stop living in the temporal and see the bigger picture. Live that way. Someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? It's a tough question. Are only a few people going to be saved? But a right question. Because of what Jesus says next. He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you've come from. Then they will say, here it is. But we ate and drank with you. We went to church. We saw miracles. We sang songs. We lifted our hands. We jumped and shouted. We gave in the offering. We served in the kids' ministry. We, we heard you. We saw you. We were with you. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Depart from me. Get away from me. All you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. But I love this next part. Because he's hitting this hard for the religious people. Those who think it's, it's only people who look like us and praise like us and, and sound like us. Those who only have our skin tone or those who only believe what we believe. Here's what Jesus says next. This for everyone in the room. But people will come from all over the world, from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they will take their place in that great feast, reclining at the Lord's table in his kingdom. Would you do me a quick favor and look at your neighbor and just tell them, heaven will be a party and I'm going. Now, would you just shake them real quick and just ask them, where are you going? 
Where are you going? Where are you going? Woo! You can be seated today. You can be seated. Make sure you can see my, my face. Make sure you can see my face wherever you're seated. Just make sure you can see me. Because I, I, have, a, I have a serious question I want to start asking. I want to ask you a serious question. Quick show of hands. Who's ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? Quick show of hands. Cheesecake Factory. Keep those hands up for a moment. I have a serious question for you, and, and I mean this with all sincerity. Why is their menu so freakishly enormous? Look at that thing. It's a binder. It's a notebook. What, what is it? How many, 17 pages? Is that right, Kenny? Anywhere from 17 to 20 pages, I've heard. Of options, choices, good Lord. Well, how, how could you ever find your favorite? They, they actually, on their, on their website, they said they have over 250 items that they make. It's going to take me eight months eating there every day to figure out what I like. Mike, why so many choices? And then not only do you have the choice of your entree, but now you've got the choice of your sides and the choice of your drink. And everybody knows why you go to Cheesecake Factory anyway. Come on, somebody. For that cheesecake. And then the list is like two pages long. My God, just looking at it makes you feel fat. Why so many choices? Ah, I, I actually learned this. The reason they did this, they actually did it this way, Rev, is they... They just started making everything, and they just threw it at the crowd. And whatever people said, I love this, they kept making. Isn't that crazy? What a business model. Your taste buds like it, then we'll keep making it. And that's why the menu went just from cheesecakes and cheeseburgers to, I mean, Rev Dev, what's your favorite? What's, Dev, what's your favorite there, my guy? What, what? The club sandwich. Okay, club sandwich. It'll take me 249 days to get there, my guy. But, but the idea is just to be there's so many choices. So many options, and the choice is yours. How many would agree with me that, that some choices are easier than others, right? Starbucks or Dunkin'? Cho some, choices are, some choices are easier than, than others. I got to be careful here, Pastor Olga. Cubs or White Sox? Yeah. Some choices are easier than others. In this season, it's not very hard. Come on, somebody. This season for the White Sox has been what happened to Tim, Tim Anderson last night, just getting jawed and knocked out. That's what it feels like to be a Sox fan this year. Some choices are easier than others, right? Being broke or making bank. Some choices are easier than others. And how about this one? Because this one should be extremely easy. Going to heaven or going to hell? <laughs> Some choices are easier than others. And I need you to know today that that choice is not God's choice. He doesn't send anyone to hell. He saves everyone from hell. But he gives you what you decide. It is your choice, heaven or hell. And if you've chosen Jesus, then you are part of God's family, and you're going to be part of that feast that will last forever. Can you say amen? But if you choose to reject Jesus, you have made your choice. And ultimately, God gives you what you choose an eternity apart from him, an eternal damnation, an eternal torment. I'm going to try to illustrate this for you in just a moment. That's why these things are in the way, and then we'll maybe move them so they're not in the way of the entire service. But 
most Americans kind of hold to a belief called universalism. And I talked about this some last week, but universalism really is just that notion that almost everyone gets to go to heaven in the end. They call it universal reconciliation. Almost everybody gets reconciled to God in the end, except for like the really, really, really bad people. Like the Hitlers and the Stalins and the, and the terrorists and, and maybe your neighbor, right? Like the really, really bad people. But otherwise, everyone else gets reconciled back to God. That's called universalism. But I need you to know that according to Jesus, most people have it backwards. Look at Matthew 7, verse 13. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the, well, the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Let me, let me try this just real quick if we can. Uh, I know the worship team's over here. Let me, let me, let me have a... Let me have, if I can get like just this kind of group here, except for Kristen. Kristen, you're going to choose, choose something else. Like, Y'all just join me over here real quick. Just join me over here. Just join me. Let's give it up for our worship team. Yeah. Hey, come over here. Come over here. Well, you're already making the choice, aren't you? Yeah. The reason I, uh, I'm going to need you Kristen. Help me out. Help me out. Come over here. Dylan, let me, come on, help me out. Come on, help me out. Come on, Jalen, come help me out. All right. Jesus wants us to understand something. That one way is easy and popular. And every, everyone's on it. And another way is, is complicated and difficult and costly. There's only a few that choose it. Kristen, I'm going to have you choose the difficult way. You're going to navigate that over there. Everybody else, and you can go through skipping if you want to. Join hands. You're going to take the easy way. And the reason I want to set up a, a circle is, like, I know that it's a gate in scripture, but I see too many artists anymore, secular artists, setting up portals in their concerts. And you don't even realize they're opening up portals to hell. And you're just sitting there singing their songs, not even knowing they're unleashing demonic things over your life. Okay? Yeah? Let's go ahead and let's, let's make a choice. Sorry, I've already made the choice for you, but you're, you're choosing today to, to take the easy, popular, open path. But Kristen, you're going to take the difficult one. Let, let's make our choice and let's, let's, let's walk. Let's walk. Yeah, my guy. Yeah, yeah. Into eternal damnation. Yeah, right on. Which way are you going, Kristen? This way. Navigate this thing right here. This is you. This is you. The difficulty of trying to get through that thing, of trying to get around it, of trying to fit through it. Yes, ma'am. Get around it. Get through it. Make the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, there we go. Isn't that what, what your Christian life feels like many times? It is complicated. It is convoluted. It's a struggle. How come I'm all alone? Where, where's my help? Where's my support? But, but Jesus promised us that the few who find it, but what they find is something called life. It, it may be easy now, but it's going to be difficult forever. It may be difficult now, but it's going to be easy forever. There may be, there may be excitement now, but there's going to be sorrow forever. There, there may be difficulties and problems now, but there's going to be joy unspeakable forever. And you you get to choose the path. Thank you, family. Thank you. Let's give it up for our, our, our worship team who are all going to heaven. Yeah, let's move that out of the way. Let's move that so y'all can see me over there. Jesus is letting us know there's a many versus the few. 
The many versus the few. And, and, and I need you to see it, ladies and gentlemen. There's an overwhelming majority of people that are on the wrong road. They're just on the wrong path. The, the, the choice has been set before us. And as long as there's breath in my body, I can choose life. Now, can I get an amen from those who recognize this walk hasn't been easy? This thing called faith is, is a journey, and it feels uphill, and it feels rocky, and it feels weary, and it has its difficulties. But do you believe in the end game that it's still worth it? It is worth it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I've only got two choices, the easy and popular or the difficult and costly. And this is why he tells us so many are on the wrong road. Many don't make it to heaven. Many are on the wrong path. And he says, only a few find it. Only a few. Let me take you back to the Old Testament real quick. In, in Genesis chapter 6, a man called Noah shows up on the scene. He preaches for 100 years, 100 years, while he's building a, a big boat called the Ark. And guess how many people joined him on that big boat after 100 years? Eight people total were saved because only a few find it. How, how many? How many Jesus fed 5,000 men one day, not including women and children? And then what happened the very next day is he nearly runs almost every one of them off by telling them there's a true cost to discipleship. You have to give up everything else and follow after me. And 5,000 men almost walked away from him a day after he fed them because only a few find it. How, how few? Jesus said when the Son of Man returns, will he even find any faith? Because only a few find it. How few? He even warned us in Matthew 24, verse 12. He said because of the increase of wickedness in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Because only a few find it. How few? Paul prophesied this one time. He said there will be a great falling away in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. How few? When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible tells us over 500 people saw him alive. And how many people were obedient enough just to wait the 10 days for the promise of the Holy Spirit? 120. Because only a few find it. How few? Paul said this in 1 Timothy 4. The Spirit clearly speaks that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith because they're following deceiving spirits and things taught. Since quarantine, Kenny, I have watched Christians walk away from the kingdom because they've, they've given heed to these deceiving, seducing spirits. And here's the problem. Some of them still claim to be Christians. But they're no longer believing this book, this doctrine, this truth. They have been deceived by doctrines of devils. How few only a few that find it. Now, I am not a Marine, but how many in this room are the few and the proud that I am saved? 
I am on my way to heaven. I belong to Jesus. Can you just take 10 seconds and testify? I'm part of the few, and I know where I'm going, and can't no demon deceive me? Can't no devil trip me up? No doctrine of this world is going to mislead me. I belong to Jesus. I'm the few, I'm the proud, and I'm going to heaven. Amen. Which makes me ask then, if I'm going, then who's going to hell? I'll just give you a quick list. The Bible gives us plenty of people, but the Bible tells us this. Check this out. The Bible says that the angry will be there. The Bible says that the false prophets and false teachers will be there. The Bible says that the cowardly or the fearful, this is why you got to get fear out of your heart, ladies and gentlemen. I know that quarantine and COVID did, did a number on your faith, but you've got to get that fear out of your heart. You've got to stop worrying about, should I pay my bills or pay my time? Give God what is his, and he'll give you more than enough to pay your bills. Stop living in fear. The Bible says that the fearful will be in hell. It says that the faithless will be in hell. It says that murderers will be in hell. It says that the, whether you want to hear it or not, the sexually immoral, that means anything out of the God's design of marriage, which is between one man and one woman. Outside of God's design, it is sexual immorality, and it will lead you to eternal damnation. And it gets quiet in 2023. Sorry, y'all. I didn't buy into doctrines of devils. I still believe what this book says right here. The Bible says that sorcerers and idolaters will be in hell. Check this one out. It also says, and my dad used to tell me this all, all the time, all liars. My, my, my dad used to say, he said, you know where liars go? Yeah, that was, that, was, that was his joke in the end, but he said, all liars go to hell. All liars. Stop lying to yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Acting like it's okay to keep living the way you've been living and, and acting the way you've been acting and thinking the way you've been thinking. All liars go to hell. And everyone who has rejected Jesus Christ, what they've done is they've chosen eternal damnation. The Bible even tells us that even the Christians who deliberately continue in their sin. I'm not talking about struggling. I mean, you deliberately just stay in it. You've made the choice. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. The Bible tells us even after you've received the knowledge of the truth, you trample the blood of Jesus under your feet time and time again, and you will come under judgment. What kind of judgment am I talking about? What Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who calls me Lord will be saved, but only those who do the will of my Father. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Somebody just do yourself a favor and stop coming to church and calling him Lord if you won't do God's will. Stop. Stop. Do yourself a favor. Hey, man, thank you, Ms. Autumn. Man, pastor, go back to preaching something happy. Next month. Next month. Why? Because I'm trying to not only keep you out of hell, I'm trying to get you to grasp something that in your heart will say, I don't want anyone else going either. To populate hell. Who's going to be there? The Bible gives us plenty of, plenty of types. And here's why you don't want to go. Here's why hell is so, so awful, so, so dreadful, so terrible. The Bible says that hell was prepared for Satan and for his demons. The Bible says that hell is a place where God will pour out his wrath on all those who have, re who have rejected him. The Bible says that hell will be dark. I won't turn off the lights again. 
The Bible says, you think it's warm in here right now? The Bible says that hell will be so suffocatingly hot. You won't be able to breathe. It says it will be filled with fire and darkness. What a contrast. I'll explain it in a moment. It says there will be sounds constantly of weeping and the gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth, not just from fear, but of regret and anger for all eternity. And it tells us that it is never-ending torment. That's why hell is so awful. Revelations 14.11 says that the smoke of their torment rises, checks out, forever and ever. There is no rest day or night. That's hell. Now on this earth, there are what we call two emotional properties that keep us emotionally stable. They are rest and hope. Having those two things keep us emotionally healthy. Rest and hope. Think about it. When you're grumpy, why, why are you grumpy? Because you're tired. Why does Pastor Olga tell me you need to take a nap, Jamin? Because I'm grumpy. But thank God for rest. Because then I wake up and I feel better. And my attitude is better. Rest. The second thing that keeps me emotionally stable and healthy is the simple fact that I have hope that no matter how bad it gets in this life, no matter how the enemy comes against me in this life, I have hope because there's always hope when you have a God who can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. There's always hope when you have a God that lets you know I am the God who works all things together for your good. So as long as I'm alive, I have hope. I can be emotionally stable because I have rest and hope. But in hell, there is no day or night, no rest. And in hell, it will last. You'll be there for 10 billion centuries, and it'll just be getting started. No hope. No rest. No hope. This is why Jesus warned us of how terrible hell is. He even told us in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark 9, he even told us this. He said, it's better for you to lose an eye or lose a limb rather than spend eternity in hell. So stop sinning so you don't end up in hell. I'm not encouraging you to do this because this is what Jesus meant, but he's basically telling you it's better to lose your eye, lose your arm, lose your leg than to keep sinning and end up in eternal damnation. It was a warning. This is how bad this place is. It's better for you to go through life without that arm. Good Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to, but it's better to be armless than to be in hell forever. On top of all that, I want you to know the biggest reason why hell is so awful. Here's the biggest reason. Was that Selah? Thank you, Selah. She knows. That's my, that's my baby niece right there, y'all. Come on, baby niece. Give me a shout. The reason why hell is so terrible and so awful. And this has been debatable for 2,000 years, but I believe this. The reason why it's the worst place you will ever go is for this one reason alone. The presence of God is not there. The presence of God is removed. We just sang this song, in your presence there's freedom. In your presence there's fullness of joy. In your presence, there's life and hope and healing, but not in hell.
not in hell. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says this, God will punish those who do not know him, who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, check it out now, and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Do you understand what we're saying? When everything that is God gets removed, when everything that God is is taken away, all that's left is everything that God is not. When everything that God is, oh, he's my healer. He's my source of strength. He's my joy and my song. He's the reason I dance and the reason I, I have faith and hope. When God is removed, all that's left is everything that God is not. Sorrow and suffering and pain and hatred and regret. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why there is no air in hell because God is the breath of life. That's why there is no peace in hell because God is the prince of peace. That's why there's no comfort in hell because God is the God of all comfort. That's why there is there's only darkness in hell because God is the light. He won't even need the sun or the moon or the stars because he himself will be heaven's eternal light. In hell, there is no love in hell because God is love. And if you have every intention on being where God is, then put your hands together right now and declare with me, I will forever be in his presence and I will ever, forever have everything that God is. Because I will be with him in his presence forever. I want to leave you with this last thought, and I'll wrap this up. My hope today is not only to, to keep you out of hell. This whole series is not just about you and your salvation, but the people you're connected to, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your 1,500 friends on Facebook that you probably don't even know the majority of. These people that you're connected to. I want to leave you with this thought. I get to make my choice. Heaven or hell. And I'm the only one responsible for my choice. But I'm also responsible to help other people know their options. I've only got two, only two choices. According to give them that, give them that, uh, that image of, of, uh, of the cars and the, let's say you have to walk through this to save your friend's life. Are you doing it? If you can't make out what that is, that's spiders. Looks like thousands and thousands of, uh, of spiders. How many are just like, they're going to hell. Sorry, they're just going to hell. I am not walking through this to save anyone's life. Uh, arachnophobia just kicked in for somebody. Now you're looking under your seat. Now you're fidgeting and stomping around. This isn't about you. If I had to go through this to save someone's life, well, then I guess I'm taking a couple bites along the way. Uh, give, 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 a, 
give him a Mark 16. I want you to show you what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. What's the, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What's the good news? You don't have to pay the price for your sins. Jesus paid it in full. What's the good news? You don't have to spend an eternity in hell. Jesus made a way to heaven. What's the good news? You don't have to be an orphan and a slave and lost and alone anymore. Jesus made the way so that you could be part of God's family. That's the good news of the gospel. And here's what you are. You are God's delivery system. Most of you know I used to carry mail. And thank God I don't have to anymore. But I'm still part of a delivery system. I get to bring the good news of eternal life to everyone around me. Here's what happens, though, for most of us. What happens is, and many Christians do this, we start to think up, let's just call it what it is. We call them reasons. But they're actually excuses as to why we won't share our faith. Anyone ever been there before? You, you, you start to think of these things like, well, I don't, I don't really know enough scripture, so how can I really talk about the Bible? Reasons. Anyone ever use this one? I, I, I'm just not really sure what I should say. Or how about this one? I might offend somebody, so I should just keep it to myself. Or how about this one? It just makes me very uncomfortable. Mm, okay. Gordon, give me that video real quick. Give me, give me that video. I, I love this video because this is how it feels to, to witness me, sometimes. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Where are you going? <laughs> I, love, I, I love the idea of every time I try to share my faith, people start running away. Come on. And then we make up the reasons, right? The excuses. That's what's going to happen. They're going to find a, a baby walker and run away from me. If I start sharing my, my faith, and, and I, just, I'm just, I guess I'm just curious, while those excuses might feel legitimate to you, my question is, is your comfort more important than their eternal soul? Uh, listen to me. Being uncomfortable is temporary. Going to hell is eternal. Excuses don't work when somebody is cursing your name for all eternity. So why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you share this truth? I get it. It feels uncomfortable. I get it. You might offend somebody along the way, but hey, you know what? It will never stand before God and say, no one shared the truth with me. He'll remind you of that offensive person back in 2023 that said, you need Jesus. You need his saving power. So when I think about the responsibility that I have to share the gospel, it can feel this way. It can feel like this. I have to. I have to share the gospel. I, I have to. Anyone else ever, ever feel that pressure? Anyone else ever feel that, 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 that sometimes that dread? I, I, I have to share the gospel. And with that mindset comes a, comes a fear. And with that mindset can come the excuses. Well, and then you just list why you shouldn't. But can I give you a better way? Here's a better way. Instead of thinking to yourself, I have to share the gospel, just a small attitude adjustment for those of you who watched SummerSlam last night. Just a small attitude adjustment. Here it is. I don't have to do this. I get to share the good news. I get to pull people out of eternal damnation and help them find eternal life. I get to do this. This simple shift in your thinking will actually take witnessing and cheering your faith from being a burden to feeling like an opportunity. 
I get to share the truth. Praise God, I get to share his love. Praise God, I get to share his grace. Praise God, I get to tell people all the great things God has done for me. Are there any men and women in this room that are tired of making excuses and instead you just want God to know, I'll tell whoever you put in front of me about what you've done. I'll do everything I can to be a light in the darkness. And I don't know how this works, Rev, but someday I believe there are people in heaven who are going to walk up to you and shake your hand and say thank you for being uncomfortable thank you for being offensive thank you for telling me the truth thank you for pointing me to Christ I wonder how long the line is going to be for my grandpa and my grandma of people who are going to get there and shake their hand and say thank you for pointing me to Jesus I wonder how long the line is going to be for Billy Graham it's probably still going right now People are going to be walking to him and shaking his hand and saying, thank you for not making any excuses. Thank you for telling me the truth. And I want to know when you get there that you've at least led somebody to get there as well so they can walk up to you and say, thank you for not being afraid. Thank you for not living in fear. Thank you for not making excuses. Thank you for sharing this gift of life with me. Thank you for sharing your faith. Let me close with this. In my house, there's a certain smoke alarm. And it's annoying. You know how it goes. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah, fire, 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 fire. It's an illustration. You don't have to run. And here's what happens. This thing goes off when we burn toast. It goes off when somebody, oh, I won't name who, takes a 45-minute shower and won't turn the vent fan on. And now the whole house is just making this noise. And you know what you, you, know what you do? It's, why does the smoke alarm go off? It's there to alert you. There might be fire in the house. And here's what we do. Here's what we do. We either remove it from the smoke or we pull the battery out. Because come on, somebody, isn't it annoying when those things go off? You're just like, especially if you're sleeping, you're just like, oh my God, and there's no, there's no real fire. Now I'm just ticked off. So, and if you can't get out of the room, you just rip it off, off the ceiling, and you just pull the battery out, and uh, you've just gone all crazy on it. But hey, hallelujah, at least you're no longer annoyed. And, and can I, I want to put it just like this. Your house might be on fire, and you'll never know it because you were so annoyed at the noise of the battery. So annoyed at the, at the noise of the, of the alarm. Just annoyed. So let me pull that battery out so I won't be annoyed anymore. And you know what Satan has done in 2023? He has made preaching about hell so annoying that we don't do it anymore. And so let's get away from it. Let's stop talking about it. Pastor, would you please move on to the next series? Hurry up because I'm annoyed. And so listen to me. You can be annoyed and your house still be on fire. You, you can be upset with me and your house be burning down. You, you can tell me, get on to something about blessing and something about God, God bringing prosperity in my life. And listen, you can still be on your way to hell. This is just how it goes. I am not here to be your buddy, and I am not here to, to necessarily get you all the blessings from heaven. I am here to keep your soul from eternal damnation so that you can find all the blessings of God. 
And if Satan has done anything well, it is that he has convinced us that hell is not there. But that doesn't stop people from going. Second Corinthians, Paul wrote it like this. He said, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't even understand this message about the glory of Christ. In Revelation, it tells us that Satan is working overtime. He's doubled his efforts because he realizes his time is short. It's almost over. And so he's done everything that he can to keep us, not just from the blessings here, but from eternal life there. By blinding the minds of those who don't believe. Hell isn't real. Hell doesn't exist. It's all a fabrication. Everyone gets to go to heaven in the end anyway. And he's convinced us with doctrines of devils. And just because you're annoyed at this sermon and wishing I would take the battery out of the alarm doesn't mean that people still, even in this room, might end up in eternal hell. And it's not because I haven't preached the truth and it's not because God hasn't made a way. It's because you will make a choice in the end. My way. I want the popular way. I, I want to be accepted. I want to fit in. I choose this road because it brings me enjoyment. Because, because I like the way it feels. Your choice. And then a few of us will say, I know it's going to cost me everything. I know I'm going to have to deny myself, take up my cross. I know some Saturdays I'm not going to get any sleep at all, but guess what? I'm going to get up early Sunday morning and I'm going to be in God's presence. And that's where I plan on being forever. I know it's a struggle with the finances and I know it's a struggle with the family and I know it's a struggle with the faith, but I'm still going to keep serving Jesus. Hell has come against me and Satan has done everything he can to beat me down and, and people are, are mistreating me and, and, I, and I feel alone and, and I feel abandoned, but I'm going to keep following Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have made my choice. Pastor, when I look at this verse, I see the God of this world has done his job and he's done it well. Because Jesus said many will be blinded and many will take the easy road. But I don't want to stop at just faith and eternal life. I want you to know that Satan is still trying to blind your mind today from believing God for healing, from believing God for blessing, from believing God that you can make a difference in this world. How many of us have convinced ourselves, literally we've convinced ourselves, my life doesn't matter. I won't make a difference. I'll come to church, I'll get what I need, and I'm on my way but my life can't change anyone else's. Say it is blinding your mind from believing who God has called you to be. 
the salt of the earth, the city set high upon a hill, the light of the world. And I want to encourage you today to make a choice. Don't just choose the difficult path. Choose to bring someone else with you. Choose to bring somebody you love with you. Stand your feet with me today. If the God of this world is blinding minds still and he's doing his job, that means he's doing everything he can to depopulate heaven. So can I sound an alarm today in your spirit? Let me be in an annoying, let me just be the annoying smoke detector in your life today and just sound an alarm in your spirit. If he's depopulating heaven, what do you say we stick it to that sucker and depopulate his kingdom and depopulate hell? Amen. Amen. For everyone that will, I want you to make a choice first. Don't choose the easy path. Choose the difficult one because it leads to life. Everyone that wants to choose that difficult path, but you, you know what you're picking. Life. Throw up one hand right now. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. Here's my life. Here's my heart. Here's my all. I know it won't be easy. Thanks for being honest. But today, I make my choice. I will follow you. And I thank you that through the hardships and through the difficulties, I will find life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We just depopulated hell. You just joined the kingdom. Hallelujah. However, that's not the purpose of the series. The purpose of the series is so that now you will make a decision when you leave this place. Who am I taking with me? Who am I taking with me? If you'll make a choice today to depopulate hell, then throw up both hands right now. I make the choice. I make the decision. Throw up both hands. I want you to look up. Now pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for leading me to eternal life. But now I'm making a choice to be your witness to everyone I know, to everyone who needs you. This week, show me who to witness to. Show me whom to share my faith with. Show me who needs you. And give me the boldness. Give me the wisdom. Give me the words. Give me the compassion. Give me the anointing. Give me your presence so I won't be afraid to share you with everyone I meet. This week, I choose to depopulate hell in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's say no. Let the kingdom of darkness know I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Amen.